pray, Father in heaven, thank you so much for this moment we have to come together and continue worship as I share your word. I ask to just rid me of myself now and speak through me and give us all receptive hearts to what you're saying. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place and we look forward to what you're doing here in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Thanks so much for worship team. Give us a round of applause and make your way off.
good news for us today. So that brings me to my big idea, which is in the next step of this journey, as we come to know God and to find freedom, the next step is to allow the Holy Spirit to heal and to transform us. I think there's something within each of us that wants to be free. Like there's something that I think God has built into us, this, this idea of freedom, this concept of freedom. You know, God has given you and he's given me the opportunity to freely respond to, to his goodness, to his grace towards us. And in, in the Garden of Eden, he says, Adam and Eve, you may freely eat of any tree in the garden, except for the tree knowledge of good and evil. You know, you, you see this in little kids as well, you know, you go to the shops, and sometimes you see that kid who's like pants are hanging down their ankles and they're just running around the shops having a good old time and their parents are chasing after like, what are you doing? That kid just wants to be free, right? Um, obviously it's not about kids, that kids will feel well like, hey, they will sit there completely compliant in the, in the trolley and it's not a problem at all, right? One of the most famous um, quotes in cinema history is about freedom. You all know it. They may take our lives but they will never take our Okay, a few people have seen Brave Heart, that's good. There's something in us that wants to be free. And this idea of freedom is all about our quality of life. But like, Mike, Mike shared the verse last week that God came so that we might have life and have it abundantly. That Jesus came down to earth, not just to give us eternal life, but to allow us to experience abundance today. And when we believe in Jesus, when we choose to follow him and make him our saviour and our Lord, so he can't actually take that away from us. He can't take away our salvation. And so what he often does is he, he puts all his attention into one area and he tries to distract us or to deter us or to discourage us. He tries to do all these things to take our attention away from the fact that we're saved and that we can actually be free today. And sometimes that takes the form of lies that we start to believe is true. Lies that say, oh, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough to, to achieve. Um, there's no one that's ever going to love me. Uh, there's a whole bunch of lies that sometimes Satan starts to put attention into and that we start to believe. And uh, in other cases, you know, we, we might, for whatever reason, come into a space where we become dependent on, on images or on a substance or on a person for our self-worth or for our gratification or our pleasure. And it's a similar concept there that, that we kind of get caught up in a trap and we, we miss the freedom that we have in Christ. But this is where the Holy Spirit comes into it. This is where the Holy Spirit comes and can actually make a difference in our lives because Believe it or not, Christ has actually set us free from those things. And a part of what it means for us to experience the gospel today is to walk in and live in that freedom. And so we come to this concept of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Anyone here seen Frozen 2? Yeah? You know that thing that's like, uh, it's like that light thing that's just some people know what I'm talking about. Some people think the Holy Spirit's a bit like that, that it's like a power that floats through the universe and it's going in and out of everything and it's everywhere. Others are more of the persuasion that the Holy Spirit is a person that possesses power. And that's more the perspective that we come from as a Seventh day Adventist church. And I have a few texts here that are going to kind of support that or I hope that it can challenge you in some way as well and stretch your thinking a little bit. In the book of John, the author writes, when the Spirit of truth comes, but where the Holy Spirit, he will, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So the Holy Spirit here isn't an it, it's a he. Throughout the book of John, if you read that gospel, you will see over and over again that the author calls the Holy Spirit he. And assigns personality to the Holy Spirit. Now that might not be enough to convince that the Holy Spirit is a person rather than a power, because a power can have like a characteristic, you can have like good power or bad power, and that kind of thing. So let's look again at Ephesians chapter 4. 
And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved in the day of redemption. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually has emotion. It has personality. Let's keep moving. Luke chapter 12. And when you are brought to trial, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. But the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Now, Penelope can also be a teacher. Have you ever like been cooking and you've burnt your hand and you've learned a lesson from the power that was the heat that taught you that okay, this yep, don't touch that again. How can be a teacher? But this is interesting because it says not only will the Holy Spirit teach you at the right time, but it will teach you specifically what to say for the situation. That's teaching on another kind of level. And finally, this is the real kicker for me about the Holy Spirit as a person, the divine Godhead. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit pleased us believers in harmony with God's own will. Here we have the idea of intercession, of mediation, of the Holy Spirit speaking on our behalf to the Father. That is something that a power cannot do. Only a person can do that. And so the Holy Spirit is a person. The way we understand God as a Seventh-day Adventist church is that God is one. That within God there are three distinct beings. But that God is one. And if you're confused by that, then I want to invite you to a club for the rest of humanity because um, it's not something that I fully understand. It's not something that most pastors fully understand by any stretch of it. And if you do fully understand, then come and speak to me after because I'd love to pick your brains. <laughs> but my point here is that we don't actually have to fully understand the Holy Spirit to experience the benefits of it. And to illustrate that, I'm going to invite two people up on stage. So I've spoken to them before, so they can Justin and Indy, if you guys don't make your way up now, let's give them a massive round of applause as they come up. I'm going to give each of these guys bananas. So kids, if you've got your bulletin and you're trying to work out what fruit I'm using today, the banana is it. So I'm going to get you guys to stand on one end of the stage each. So Justin, you can stay here. You can go over here. For the sake of this uh, illustration, what we're going to say is that Justin really likes bananas. Now, if you just if you know Justin, you know he doesn't actually really like bananas, but he's willing to help me out with this, um, which I really appreciate. So you, you just like bananas, right? You don't know how much about them. You don't really know why they're yellow, why sometimes they have brown dots and why sometimes they don't. Um, but you really like bananas. Indy, on the other hand, Indy is actually a professor in bananas. Um, so India has spent her life's work studying the banana, studying why it is yellow, why sometimes bananas are a bit more curved and a bit more straight. Um, she's been studying the enzymes and all the proteins inside it. She knows bananas like the back of her hand. I'm going to invite these guys to peel their banana now. And what we're going to do is get them to take a bite for three. Can you guys take a bite for three? Is that alright? Can you do that? Alright, one, two, Okay, so while they're chewing that, who is getting more out of their banana? Is it the one that knows things about the banana, or the one who just likes the banana? I mean, it depends who takes the bigger bite, right? I mean, Justin's a you know, pretty hungry guy, but we're taking a bit of bigger bite, so he might be getting a little bit more. But the point is that both of these guys are getting stuff out of the banana, not because they know more about it, but because of what is within the banana, right? We're going to continue this experiment, and uh, Indy, this time, you're not going to take a bite. You still know he's about bananas and stuff, but you don't really like them for whatever reason. Justin just <laughs> likes bananas. He doesn't know anything about them, but he's going to take another bite now. In this case, who's the one that got more out of the banana? The one who knew things about it, or the one that experienced it? The one that experienced it, right? You don't have to know everything about the banana to experience the goodness that is inside it. And the same goes to the Holy Spirit. Thanks, guys, for joining us. So stick around for us. You guys can be around. Thank you for being here. We're a big church here. You don't have to fully understand 
of Holy Spirit to completely experience the benefits of the Holy Spirit. If we could fully understand God, if we could fully understand the Holy Spirit, that would make us God, right? Because it's like, oh, well, we're on the same level as Him. We understand Him on the same level of knowledge. But we don't have to fully understand the Holy Spirit to experience it. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to send with me now to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Because you might be thinking, well, this is cool, but how on earth does this relate to finding freedom? How does this relate to finding freedom? So if we turn to Galatians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, that's completely fine. We're going to be having the text that I'm uh, breaking down on the screen behind me. Galatians chapter 5, and the, the part that talks about the Holy Spirit actually starts down in verse 16. But we're going to start at verse 1 because, um, you know, if, if we try and read this verse out of context, then it's going to make no sense to us. And this is the context behind um, how the Holy Spirit ties into freedom. So if you have your Bible, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, let's go. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. A few weeks back in our last preach, we talked about the concept of slavery and how the Sabbath was a reminder for God's people that who they are is not defined by what they do. And now unfortunately, that's, as human nature, we, we tend to sometimes get caught up in our own uh, way of doing things and if, if things get tough or, or rough or for whatever reason, we might tend to go back a bit into our old way of doing things. But the author here is saying that don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Make sure you stay free. He says, Christ has set you free, but make sure you stay free. And how do we do that? We jump down to Galatians 5, verse 16. As Paul goes on to explain how Christ has set us free, he then goes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you'll be doing not then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So, so the way that we continue in the freedom and realize the freedom that God has for us is that we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives as opposed to the sinful nature. Paul then goes on throughout this passage and he, and he talks about um, the evidence of whether you're following the sinful nature or you're following the Holy Spirit in your lives. And there's a massive list, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through it, but you can, you can go on your personal study and look at that list and the other things that, um, that, that Paul gives as to why, as to what the fruit of living by your own uh, desires and your own sinful nature will be like. But then he also goes on and says, but there's actually fruit of the Holy Spirit as well. And uh, the family that prayed for us before, you guys mentioned it, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the way that we walk in our freedom is by allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives into a greater understanding and a greater reality of these things right here. But if I'm being honest, when I look at this list, I kind of start to freak out a little bit because I think, well, like, how, like, at what point am I loving people enough? Am I loving people well enough? At what point am I, am I joyful enough? At what point am I peaceful? Like, how do I, how do I realize that? And I want, I want to take you now to the, the 13th verse of this chapter. Um, it's at the very center of, of this chapter on the freedom that we have in Christ and living it out and the Holy Spirit. It's Galatians 5 verse 13. I believe this is the key to understanding all of this. Since you've been called to live in freedom, Paul's not just writing to the church in Galatia, he's writing to you. And he's trying to me. He says he's been called to live in freedom. Christ has set you free. That's what he's written at the start of this chapter. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. But the way that we live in our freedom is to serve one another in love. I call this to love well. To love well. That's how you exercise your freedom. You see, if we kind of place our focus on this, to serve one another in love... We have to use community. Like community, you can't serve someone else if you're the only one. 
that's trying to do it. We need each other to continue with the freedom that we have in Christ. Serve one another in love. If we love well, and if you're loving someone well, do you think your joy is going to increase or decrease? Probably going to increase. If you're loving someone well, do you think your patience is going to increase or decrease? Probably increase. If you, if you love someone well, is your self-control going to increase or decrease? It's probably going to increase. Right? We have these fruits of the Spirit here, and they're evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And we need to use the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom to allow the Spirit to lead us as we focus on serving one another in love. Serving one another in love. And so how do we utilize the Holy Spirit in our lives? Um, there's a whole bunch of verses we can turn to, again, for the sake of time. We've only got eight and a half minutes left, so we're going to try and smash through this. But there are three steps here that I've, that I've come to from my personal study. Um, if you'd like to learn more about this, come speak to me after. I can give you a bunch of passages to look at, a bunch of stories um, to, to have a think about. But the way that we utilize the Holy Spirit in our lives, the first step, recognize that only God can actually change it from the inside. Uh, I've, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. Um, I've experienced um, dependency on, on certain things. I've gone through my own struggles and my own trials. And uh, to be honest, I've tried everything in my own power to overcome them. Um, I've tried all these different ideas and things that I thought would work. But the only thing that's been able to actually change my life has been the power of the Holy Spirit working in my heart. And I believe that that same power that we have unlimited access to now is available to work in your life and my life. But we need to remember that it's only God that can truly change us from the inside out. Secondly, ask the Spirit to show you what parts of your life that need changing. Oftentimes, um, when it comes to, to experiencing change in our lives, there are things that we're blind to, and you can't see what you can't see, right? And so using the power of the Holy Spirit, we can ask and say, Holy Spirit, please show me. Show me the areas of my life that I need to change, the areas that I might be um, blind to, the areas that I, mean, I might be not seeing. Ask Him to show you those areas. And then thirdly, invite the Holy Spirit to work inside of you. Invite the Holy Spirit to do a new thing in you. You know, there are several implications of this for our own walk with God. Uh, and the first of them is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. Does that make sense? Like, the, like the Holy Spirit is in a point of comparison. The fruits of the Spirit are something that we look at and say, oh, that person's filled with the Holy Spirit. Or that person's not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a very personal being that walks alongside us, that enters into us and allows us to become better people. The Holy Spirit isn't a point for comparison. And if that's the case, then being filled with the Holy Spirit is more about where you're headed than where you are. So the Holy Spirit is more about the trajectory that you're walking in than the place where you're walking from. You can look at my life and you can see plenty of things that I do wrong, plenty of things that I struggle with. But I, I praise God that I'm on the direction towards where He has me. I praise that I'm not where I used to be, I know that I'm not where I need to be, but he's got a plan for me and he's leading me by the power of him, the Holy Spirit into where he wants me to be. The Holy Spirit is more about where you're headed than where you are. And you know what's incredible about the Holy Spirit? Is that I'm preaching to a church that is very much filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching to a church today that has been journeying with the Holy Spirit for some time. Um, and and uh, it was mentioned, uh, and Charles mentioned it, that this church is the way it is because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in this place. And so yesterday I actually sat down with one of our leaders, with Bridget, and uh, I, I had her share a bit of how the Holy Spirit has worked um, in, in our church. And so as we turn our eyes to the screen now, I want to invite you just to watch this video uh, to see how the Holy Spirit has been working in our community.
Centre of 2009 were a predominantly older congregation. There were very few children and very few young families. When we first came in here, the pastor and I had discussions over the text in Isaiah which said, my house should be a house of prayer. And so we decided to just advertise the prayer time and the popular time was 10 o'clock Wednesday morning. So we began the prayer time at that point because we were at our wits end basically. We tried having missionary volunteers, youth pastors, all sorts of other programs and none of these seemed to have long-term attracted children and young families to our church. Well, to start with, we didn't actually focus necessarily on young children and families until our prayer leader came back from a conference and at the conference she'd been told the story about some people in the church who wanted to grow their church and they had put a circle of chairs around and stood behind the chair and asked God to fill that chair with a younger person or a child. So we decided we'd try that and we did this faithfully for almost a year. Before too long, we were attracting a lot of young families, many of whom wanted their children to engage with church. But sometimes change is quite traumatic and I have to be honest, when the initial changes took place, there was a lot of cataclysmic upheaval and change, which was a little bit difficult for some of us oldies to adjust to. So God doesn't always answer prayers the way we expect, but we have to trust Him through that, and uh, the results can be seen in our church community today. Well, after a few years when the, um, the young people and the children were coming, we had another young pastor who said, could we please focus on praying for an influx of, of young people between the ages of 18 and 30. So we focused on that for a long period of time and Holy Spirit worked powerfully and these young people came. And it was through Cafe Connect, the guest services and our welcoming atmosphere in the foyer that we were able to retain a lot of these folk. They found a place to belong. Don't underestimate it. <laughs> if you pray specifically and God believes that you are sincere and committed to that and it's within his will, he will answer that prayer powerfully. And what that does is it then encourages your faith journey because you get very excited about seeing how God has worked in your church community and for you personally as a result of your prayers. Isn't that amazing? So cool to see the way that God has worked in this church. Um, we believe in these sharing stories of that uh, because as we do that and the word spreads that we're a praying church, I believe that's the sort of culture we want to continue to grow. Um, we hope that you've been inspired by that story. You know, if you're in this church and you're under the age of about 25, um, I want to tell you that you're probably an answer to prayer, <laughs> that, that the Holy Spirit is brought into this community, that we love you, that we value you, that we really um, appreciate you guys. If you're a young family that's come to this church, um, you're an answer to prayer for this community. The Holy Spirit is working so powerfully here already. But as I invited that up, I want you to, to think about this idea of finding freedom. 
and what it means for your life. The next step for us is to allow the Holy Spirit to heal and to transform us. I mentioned at the start that often Satan focuses all of his energy and all of his time in our lives into trying to distract us from walking in the freedom that we have in Christ. Because he knows that the moment you find that freedom, you'll be released to discover the purpose that God has for your life and you'll be able to make a difference in the community around you. A powerful difference in the community around you. And that's where we're headed for the future. But what I want to invite you to do today is uh, we're going to say a special prayer as a church. And uh, as, as we pray this prayer together, I want to invite you to think of that area of your life that you most need freedom. The area of your life that maybe you've been struggling with for some time. A part of your life that, that maybe um, you, could, you keep secret, you keep quiet because you're a little bit embarrassed by it. That part of your life that you most need freedom. And I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me now as we close off today. And as a prayer that we're going to pray as a church, because of how we are at the walk with God, we all need to realize the freedom that we have in Christ. And so I invite you just to close your eyes with me. As we show we're going to pray this prayer together as we're thinking of those past battles that we need freedom from. Speak up to me. Holy Spirit, thank you for being available to work in our lives. Please show us the past of our lives that need changing. and work in our hearts as we find freedom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.